All right. If you took the Kansas City Chiefs in week one for Circus Survivor, you've got two days to buy back into that pool. Welcome back, football. Here to break down the rest of the week one slate in the NFL, I'm honored to be joined by Pro Better Hitman. You can find his work at pregame.com as well as all over the Forward Progress shows. You can follow him on Twitter if you're not doing so already, at Hitman428. Hitman, it's been a minute. Glad football season's back. Really glad to be doing this with you this evening. Welcome back to Props and Hops. Nice to talk to you. It's been a, it's been a long day. Um, I forgot what these like 14-hour, 15-hour days felt like. So got a little bit of a headache. <laughs> but um, let's make it happen. Yeah, well, the good news is you've only got about six months till uh, probably your next full night of sleep. So we're back into the grind here. And right off the top, I will note that I'll be experimenting with the show this season, trying to go live on Twitter and YouTube as much as possible. And if anybody is with us live and wants to weigh in with any questions or comments, feel free to chime in and we'll look to work that into the show wherever we're able to. And right off the bat, I know there's a bit of an audio discrepancy. I think my mic might be coming through a bit louder than Hitman's audio is. So we'll try to even that out as much as we can and just get this show on the road. So Hitman, first things first, we just saw the Lions knock off the Chiefs. One game in the books, one upset in the books. Any instant takeaways on your end from what we just witnessed in the season opener? A lot of them. Um, Kansas City, lack of weapons and... Mahomes, you could tell in the first half that it was a bunch of schoolyard BS, to be honest. It wasn't a lot of timing and open receivers. And um, it's a tough way to make a living. And Mahomes is great as he is, and he's the best quarterback in the league at improvising. Caught up to them. So bad night from the Chiefs receivers. Pretty apparent it's going to be a seven-man rotation. Makes it really hard for props. And then um, on the Lions side, Takeaway was David Montgomery. I mean, I bet Jameer Gibbs over receiving yards, and it got some good closing line value, but it was the complete – it was the wrong play because – and then there was some talk from the Lions about, oh, you know what, we might hold Gibbs back a little bit and use a lot of Montgomery. I did come back and play some Montgomery over, so that's definitely softened the blow on my Gibbs play. But, yeah, it's apparent that um, Detroit views Montgomery – as their guy and uh, Jameer Gibbs is going to be a luxury. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of this will be reflected in the prop market next week, but th those were my takeaways. And before we get further into the rest of week one and what to anticipate next week for teams like the lions and the chiefs, I know if we're just starting off the season with a pretty clean slate, it feels like change is the name of the game over time in this endeavor. And I bet as somebody who excels in props, you're probably feeling that pretty acutely. I'd love to check in just from more of a process-driven standpoint and see how your NFL betting approach changed over the course of the offseason now that we've got the 2023 season underway. Um, you know, my approach has been pretty similar. Like the, the big change, the big thing that changes is the art of getting down on props. Um, it, it gets harder every year seemingly on actually getting the money down. So th that's some adjustments with how uh, I'm going to do that. And th that's been a lot of my focus, to be honest. I, I, I'm still an originator on props, but there's just so much effort into to getting the money down. that It does take away a little bit sometimes from my originating. So th that was a big focus on the off season, how, how to get money down. And then um, number two, is um, as far as week one goes, I love week one. It's one of my 
arguably it's up there as far as my favorite weeks to bet on props. And it's because it, the books just have not kept up with the off-season reports and the projected usage. And there's a lot of uncertainty. And when there's a lot of uncertainty, it breeds for a lot of opportunity for betters. So I, that, that's kind of how I've been approaching this week. Yeah, I love one of my mantras over the years, thanks in part to getting to know really sharp betters such as yourself, chaos breeds opportunity. And I hear you that it can be tough to get down on all that opportunity in markets such as props. Not as big of a concern if we're looking at something like full game sides in the NFL. So Hitman, I'd love to dig in, look ahead to the rest of the week one slate and talk about perhaps a side that you like this coming Sunday or, or maybe even on Monday night, looking ahead to the rest of the week one action. Um. Yeah, there's two games that still stand out for me. Um, I'm just looking at the current. I haven't looked at the odds screen for a few hours now as we were watching that game. Uh, Dallas minus three, minus 120-ish is is out there. I think that that's a good bet. Uh, Dallas's offense the last three years, points per game when Dak plays, second, first, and first. Realistically, they could easily have a top five offense and defense. I really don't see much of a weakness on this team. People are going to mention how Dak was turnover prone. Well, he has a 1.7% interception rate over his first six years. That would rank fifth best all time. So I think last year was a lot of variance as far as his interceptions went. And just the matchup, Daniel Jones against Dallas, six yards per attempt last year, was pressured on over 50% of his dropbacks. It, and the Giants' defense last year, I mean, yes, they're a, a blitz-heavy defense. It can be opportunistic at times, but they finished 28th in EPA against the 26th-ranked schedule of opposing offenses. So I like that matchup for Dallas, minus three. And then um, I also like Pittsburgh at current market, plus two and a half is out there. I, I like Pittsburgh. Um, I made the game closer to pick. Pittsburgh 5-5 five for five scoring touchdowns in the preseason with their starting offense following up on last year where after their bye, they were seventh in scoring rate per drive and third in yards per drive. So I anticipate their offense taking a jump. And Brock Purdy last year, yes, he had a pretty damn solid year, especially as Mr. Irrelevant. But when he was pressured, he really struggled last year. And the, the 49ers really didn't play many good pass rushes throughout the regular season. And then they finally did when they played Dallas in the playoffs, didn't play a great game that game. And then Philadelphia, obviously where he was knocked out of that game. So uh, I think the Pittsburgh as an underdog has value as well. And for those who have listened to this show in previous years, you might be able to guess that I will be interested in following up with you Hitman, on both of those games. Dallas hosting the Giants and Pittsburgh hosting San Francisco when we talk teasers a little bit later on in the show. But right now, sticking to the angle of bets against the spread with Pittsburgh specifically as a short underdog, aside from the teaser conversation, is there anything you'd also look toward on the money line figuring if they cover a number of less than three, then they're probably going to go ahead and win the game outright? Uh, a lot of that, like a lot of these chart, like the money line chart with the spread is priced in. So it's not like... I'm racing like, oh, my God, bet the money. I mean, maybe I would look to bet a money line if I thought it was a game that was like pretty high variance. Like, for example, I instead of uh, giving out the Packers plus two and a half 
against Chicago. I gave out the money line on that game. And a lot of that was because I thought it was a high variance game where Chicago has a lot of variance with Justin Fields and Green Bay has a lot of variance with Jordan Love. So I wanted a bigger plus money payout on that game. But no, there's really no specific reason to lean towards either or the other, whether you take the points or or you um you take the money line. And I'll go ahead and clarify this week that there's no specific reason to get down on a bet that I had mentioned I was anticipating making when recording last week's show with Sharp Clark. I was eyeing the Rams at the time they were plus four and a half at Seattle, and that number has pretty much held up. But a big part of the angle was the Rams being at full strength. And shortly after that recording, the Cooper Cup setback made big news. And with the Rams not having Cup in their arsenal offensively, not going to look their way in week one. But I will stay in L.A. Still pains me to say the Chargers are an L.A. team uh, looking at their game. But I'm, I'm going to fade them looking at Miami plus three at the Chargers. And although I'm a Chargers fan, I like to think that objectivity is one of my biggest superpowers as a better. I'm happy to bet on the Chargers when it makes sense. In this case, I see it making a lot more sense to look the other way. And among others, I'll credit our mutual friend Steve Vesic for making some good points as far as the handicap goes. Looking at the Chargers and Dolphins, these are pretty much even teams. And as we know, the Chargers warrant little, if any, home field advantage. And one thing unique to week one, when we look at how teams use their starters in the preseason, that can translate into how they hit the ground running or fail to do so once week one gets underway. The Chargers rested pretty much all of their starters. As far as I understand, Miami at least gave their guys some reps in the preseason. So the Chargers could be the team here with some rust to knock off, especially with a new offensive coordinator and a new scheme to integrate. And speaking of that new OC, Kellen Moore, a lot of talk about him bringing an explosive element to this offense. Music to my ears, and I'm sure the few other Chargers fans love hearing that. But the opposition on Sunday is going to be led by Vic Fangio, and he's the godfather of the two high shell to really limit explosiveness. So I don't think this week is quite the time yet where we're going to see the Chargers really fully unleash Justin Herbert. Now, speaking of Chargers coaching, I will give credit where it's due. Brandon Staley had a masterful game plan when these teams went head-to-head -head in the same venue last year, Sunday Night Football Week 14. But the Dolphins, Mike McDaniel's offense, get a full offseason to figure out how to counter what they saw in that matchup. All things considered, I can't hold back from playing Miami at plus three. Hitman, any thoughts on that one? It, it's a game the the side I've been I've been pretty neutral on, to be honest. I think you like you kind of made a case for the under, and I definitely lean towards the under where you were saying how Brandon Staley had the game plan against Tua. They took away everything in the middle of the field last year. They tried to dare Miami to run. They wouldn't run. This year, supposedly McDaniel has talked about how he's going to be more committed to the run. So obviously some more running and a total of 51 helps us. And plus, I know there's, as you mentioned, there's been a ton of talk about the Chargers throwing deep a lot this year. But Vic Fangio with his scheme, it's a scheme that typically tends to take, the, take that away. And it's not like Miami's scheme last year where they were just so blitz and man coverage heavy. So no real opinion on the side, but I think the way you were outlining things, it makes sense that maybe under 51 and a half, 51 and a half is out there. 51 is maybe worth a bet. Yeah, I'm glad I ran it by you. I hadn't really thought about the total yet, but that's a good point. So uh, it's incumbent upon me after this to look into connecting those dots a bit further. But one more nudge, perhaps, as far as the point spread is concerned, looking at pricing, 
Circa and Pinnacle are shaded toward two and a half. So there's some extra VIG on those Miami plus threes. To me, that's an indication that the rest of the market more likely than not to follow suit. And those plus threes at flat minus 110 juice unlikely to last. How much do you account for something like that when we've got sharper books shaded one way versus the rest of the market in terms of trying to time when to get down on a play like this? Yeah, it's something that matters. Um, it especially matters later in the week because it, you're not really head faking many NFL sides and totals when the limits are in the five figures at this point in the week at specific sports books. So it means something when you see th those sharper books and it's some, it, sometimes it can be a market indicator on where the line is going to go to. So yeah, it's something that I'll definitely monitor for sure. All right. And one more thing I'd encourage you monitoring for this game, the money line. I said it earlier, you mentioned there's math that breaks this down. So it's not a big inherent edge, but if Miami covers a three point spread, they're probably going to be quite likely to win this game outright. So I've earmarked about 80% of my wager for the Dolphins plus the three and about 20% toward the money line. I'm seeing plus 135 on the money line widely available for Miami as high as plus 145 still out there. So if you can get you know, anything, especially in the range of plus 145, maybe worth looking that direction with part of the bet as well. Hitman, we've covered a few sides, and I'd like to also get into teasers for week one, uh, a few different angles to attack this. And as a PSA right off the top, I'll start off talking about the standard two-team six-point teaser. Consider this good up to minus 120, which in a lot of the regulated markets, especially in Vegas, maybe formerly the sports betting capital of the world, minus 120 can be tough to come by on teasers. But for those in other jurisdictions or especially offshore, any ability to shop around, it is still pretty readily available. So if we're looking at teaser candidates on the week one card, primarily following that Stanford Wong model, classing through those key numbers of three and seven, I see four options here. Cleveland plus eight hosting Cincinnati, Pittsburgh plus eight and a half hosting San Francisco, Washington minus one hosting Arizona. And I include Washington because by all indications from sharp betters that I've heard from, it sounds like this game will close seven and a half. So with Washington come kickoff, you likely still would be crossing through the seven as well as the three in a teaser. And then last but not least, the Jets plus eight and a half hosting Buffalo on Monday night. Hitman among these four games or perhaps any other options thinking outside the box a bit, anything in mind on your end as a top teaser worthy of consideration for week one? Um, Buffalo game, I wouldn't be surprised if that did close three. There's a, most of the Sharps that I talked to or know of have um, been on Buffalo in that game. So that one I would probably cross off the list. There, there's four teasers this week that I've been putting into almost all my accounts, especially my accounts that still have minus 110s where I just can I, I'll blindly play a lot of them. Uh, but it, it's the um, Cleveland, I think, is good. Washington, Pittsburgh, and Green Bay. And it really helps. On the Washington game against the spread, I don't have much of a lean, but it really helps with the Green Bay, the Cleveland, and the Pittsburgh one. Is Those are three games that I've already bet earlier in the process. They were at better numbers. Um, I got plus three on all three of those games at one point this offseason. But the fact that I already liked those games to begin with just makes the teaser that much stronger where I feel like I'm not just blindly playing it.
And I'd say to add to that, if anybody is looking to maybe narrow things down to one option as a best bet of sorts, at least on my end for a teaser this week, I would hone in on the Browns plus eight hosting Cincinnati and then the Steelers plus eight and a half hosting San Francisco. And the angle here, I feel like for Cleveland, we've got a bit of a free roll on Joe Burrow in terms of his health. He might be fully healthy on paper, but less than fully productive compared to his baseline, given all the time that he missed leading up to the season kicking off. A bit more to come later on Cincinnati's newly minted $275 million man. And then in the other leg here, Pittsburgh, we've got a low total in Steelers Niners, 41 and a half. And that to me really magnifies the relative value of each point you get in a teaser. Because whether the total's in the low 40s or the low 50s, you're still getting six points. So just putting those same six points to greater use in a game like Steelers Niners has some appeal to me. Hitman, if you were to go with two teams and the more conventional six point teaser, any other way you'd look aside from Brown Steelers at this moment? Um, you know what? That would probably be my favorite, to be honest. Um, Pittsburgh, especially because Pittsburgh, I like a lot still at current market. So them in the teaser is that would be my strongest leg. And yeah, probably Cleveland would be number two. All right. Well, if we've got some good alignment, then uh, I will take that and run with it as far as the week one portfolio is concerned. And one more angle on teasers I'd like to run by you here, thinking outside the box a bit, six and a half point teaser options are prevalent on this board right now. And from a pricing standpoint, consider six and a half point teasers good up to minus 130. Uh, the first couple I'll run by you hit, man, pretty conventional as far as it goes. Baltimore minus two and a half hosting Houston. Now the consensus line is currently nine and a half, but Circa is down to minus nine. If other books follow suit, that would make the Ravens a very attractive candidate to tease down through the seven and the three. Also, Green Bay, you mentioned way back the plus threes were available. And then for a while, they were in teaser territory with six points crossing up through the seven. Right now with Green Bay plus one, you'd want that extra half point to make sure that you're getting up to plus seven and a half in a teaser. So the Ravens, the Packers, a couple teams to keep an eye on as far as six and a half point teasers are concerned. And then something... Push back on me if I'm getting way out there, Hitman. But I'm looking at New Orleans, currently minus three versus Tennessee, but they are shaded toward three and a half at some sharper books. And then the Denver Broncos right now, either minus three or three and a half hosting the Raiders. Those minus threes are heavily juiced, shaded toward three and a half. Same goes for the aforementioned Cowboys, minus three or three and a half hosting the Giants on Sunday night. Those minus threes, very heavily juiced. So my angle with these three teams is that Teasers effectively neutralize the juice. You're getting six points, but the juice attached to a teaser has no regard for the juice attached to point spreads. So with these teams that are a juicy three-point favorite, if not a short three-and-a-half-point favorite, you're paying the same standard price for six-and-a-half points, but you can get more than that to take the Saints, Broncos, and or Cowboys all the way up to plus three-and-a-half. And some bidders might be rolling their eyes thinking that we'd be crossing through some pretty dead numbers here, especially the zero but I would counter that you're also crossing through the three twice effectively to get up to plus three and a half with these teams. Hitman, is that angle plus EV in your book or am I maybe trying a bit too hard there? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest, probably Fezmik is the best guy to ask on if the math makes sense. I've been kind of on like the old, like the old school, of, you know, don't tease through zero and everything. But if you ever are going to do it, it makes a ton of logical sense that, Again, minus three, minus 125 on teasers makes no – it's the same as minus three plus 100. You're still getting those points, but obviously 
it's more valuable when you're teasing something that has more juice attached to it. So it makes a ton of logical sense, but you're going to have to have Steve on the, to tell you what the, uh, the exact math says on that. All right, at Fezzik Sports, if anybody else wants to check in with Steve Fezzik on that as well. Hit me on something I know I can come to you directly for. Let's transition to props. You've made the rounds across the sports betting landscape so far this week. Is there anything that you still feel might be actionable as we look ahead to the weekend slate? Yeah, I'll, I'll give one. Um, this, this year, I've been really trying to keep a tight vest until uh, on the props because it has been a longer process for me to get down on it. And obviously when I am giving stuff out on shows, everything lines tend to move. So I'm not going to give like a full, a full list of things. I have made a lot of bets still a lot of them. I'm still looking to get more money down, but um, Sam Howell right now is two Oh three and a half passing yards at FanDuel. It's two Oh six and a half at Barstool uh, all the way up, up to two ten and a half. I think that that's not a bad look. They're kind of pricing him as one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And one, I'm higher on him than market. It's looked really good the past two preseasons. And I know it's preseason, but a lot of times you could just watch these guys and say, listen, this guy's making NFL big-time throws. And Sam Howell is making big-time throws in the games that he's played. And he has really good weapons. And Terry McLaurin. Jahan Dotson is a breakout candidate this year. Curtis Samuels, a solid third receiver. And you're going against what's probably going to be the worst defense in the NFL. I know a lot of people say Rams, but Arizona might be worse this year. So it's literally the best matchup that he's going to have all season. And he's being priced in a pretty at a pretty low number. So if I had to give one right now, it would be Sam Howell over passing yards. And as you say that, I can't help but breathe a big sigh of relief because on one hand, I feel like for anybody who is with us live right now, there is something that's immediately actionable. I was a bit afraid that you might mention something that would put me in a big multitasking mode if I were to try to get down and conduct a semi-professional interview here. But fortunately, I was able to get down on that before the Chiefs and Lions kicked off. So no multitasking on my end. However, if you're a listener Right now with us live, feel free to do what you will with that Sam Howell handicap that Hitman just shared. And Hitman, one that I'd like to run by you, Darren Waller receiving yards over. And I got some insight on this from Adam Chernoff and his team over at Right Angle Sports, noting that Waller has become a clear go-to option for Kafka and Dable in that Giants offense. It seems like this is the best position that Waller's ever been in to put up big numbers, tons of pre-snap motion. The Giants have really shown an inclination to get him going from every position on the field. He could have a monster season. And as we look to week one specifically, I will caveat there are some high numbers here, and it's been hit hard the last 24 hours. Waller was just yesterday in the range of low to mid 40s for his receiving yardage output, currently priced anywhere from 47 and a half to 50 and a half yards. Hitman, considering not only the handicap, but that line movement, is there any meat left on the bone if people are interested in Darren Waller receiving yards to the over? I personally don't think so. Um, I think that those openers were pretty low on Darren Waller. But I'm a little – I'll tell you what. Before the year, I was I played Waller season-long unders. I think it was five-and-a-half receiving touchdowns and like 780 receiving yards. And I was down on him. And But he's looked – I mean, when he played 
in the preseason. He had a lot of targets go his way. He's been the talk of Giants camp, how good he's looked. It's kind of just made me neutral on Darren Waller. So while I will admit that that opener was low, it's not something that I'm personally going to look to chase. And it's a really tough matchup, too, for the Giants in this game against this pass rush of the Cowboys and this deep top five defense. So I, I could see, I'll tell you what though, I could see the line being bet up from where it is. I think it's going to be a popular play maybe from some services, but it's probably not going to be something that I end up investing in. All right, fair enough. And speaking of services, in the spirit of full disclosure, I wanted to address this Waller prop in the info I got from Adam Chernoff and the team over at Right Angle Sports, because this season I am partnering with Right Angle Sports. And a big part of the reason I'm doing that is because if you're anything like me right now, your podcast feed is probably loaded up with NFL content, your Twitter timeline overflowing with takes. It can be a struggle just to keep up with everything. And then another struggle to isolate the signal from the noise once you try to digest what you're hearing and seeing all day, every day right now. And I feel like the team at Right Angle Sports really embodies this signal as opposed to the noise when we get into stuff like this. I think they're pretty much the gold standard when it comes to picks from pro sports bettors. They've got an unmatched long-term track record of success and really big market influence. And this season, there's something for everyone, no matter the size of your bankroll. Starting as small as an NFL game day Sunday package, just two bets to get things going, all the way up to the full season package, every release all season long. So I'll just note that if anybody has the means and the interest in supporting this show, you can do so by supporting Right Angle Sports. I've got a custom link set up. It's tinyurl.com slash picks. And don't worry if you can't remember that offhand. If you're catching this in YouTube or podcast form, that link is in the show notes. And if you're catching this on Twitter, I've got a link in the bio in my profile. And one more note to sweeten the pot for anybody out there. If you want to DM me on Twitter with a screenshot confirming your Right Angle Sports subscription via my custom props and hops link, pending confirmation from Right Angle that I get that my link was indeed used, I'll go ahead and personally reimburse you for 10% of that subscription cost. So trying to make it even more plus EV where we can here and get a little bit entrepreneurial in these parts. But really, to be clear, I do want to tie a bow around this by noting that most pick-selling services aren't worth the time of day. Right Angle Sports is one of the rare exceptions out there. As far as I know, they've got an impeccable reputation, according to the pro bettors that I trust most, including many guests on this show. So Hitman, definitely not leading the witness here. But as a pro better yourself, who also sells picks and knows a lot of guys on the Right Angle Sports team, any thoughts that you care to share right now about Right Angle Sports? Yeah, um... It's a service. I mean, they, they win. It, um, it's as simple as that. It's more than you can say about most of the services out there. Now, um, it, it's it's a commitment to get the lines, though. Like You can definitely get the lines, but it's a commitment. And it's something that you got to make a decision on. You know, if you're working a nine to five and you're not going to be able to be on your phone or be on the computer, uh, when releases are happening, it's going to be tough for you. But if you are able to commit, I mean, it's a it's a service that anybody betting real money is is paying for. One, just because you want to know why market movement happens, and when they release a play and the, the screen's blowing up two points or something, you want to be on top of it on why did this happen. 
So I know I'm, I'm a subscriber. Um, I, I recommend it, but and it's similar to my service. My me and Right Angle are probably the top two preseason guys out there. And when we were releasing preseason, lines were moving one and a half, two points. And I said, same thing I said to some of my clients. I said, if you can't commit to being on your phone and getting these releases and being able to bet in 15, 20 seconds, then it's not right for you. And I know that's the same with right angle, but if you can commit to it as a better, they win. And as I said, more than you could say about many of the other services. Just one thing I'll add to that, then we'll carry on with the show. I, I like your point about making sure that you're committing to what you can really follow through on as a better. So to my earlier point about there being something for every bankroll, I think there is also something Right Angle's got to offer this season for every lifestyle. So if you're not going to be available at a moment's notice all season long to get down on every release, then some of their packages that are isolated to a weekend or a game day Sunday only, if you've got that nine to five job Monday to Friday, Maybe you just want to hone in on something that's going to be Sunday only so you know that you can get down within seconds, but I'll leave it to everybody to decide what works best for them, their lifestyles, their bankrolls. Hitman will move forward with the show here, and I know we covered a lot of good ground in week one. I also know that right now we're approaching last call for season-long player props. You've given out a lot, again, across the sports betting media landscape in recent weeks and months. At this stage, just a couple of days before most teams kick it off in the 2023 NFL season, is there anything still actionable in your book from a season-long prop betting standpoint? Um, I don't know. I, I, to be honest with you, I haven't really looked at the market in a while. Um, you saw my Twitter. I bet a lot of freaking money in this market. And I kind of just a few weeks ago was like, all right, now I'm focusing on preseason and, and week one. But um, – I'm trying to look in my portfolio. Uh, I know I've given out the Watson overs on a lot of shows. I think that those probably still have some value. I haven't seen an updated line, but I guess it's in like 36.50 or so. So I'd say that. And um, uh, here, I'll, I'll give one. I, I think this is still available at DraftKings. Dalton Schultz under 52 and a half catches <laughs> was a play that I just made recently, like two or three days ago. So that's one off the top of my head that I think is still available. All right. Good to know. Again, if you're with us live, then you're probably going to get to that before some people listening after the fact. So feel free to take advantage accordingly and reap the benefits of tuning in right after the season opener in Kansas City. Hitman, one follow-up for you on that Watson prop. I recall you giving it out and noting that you liked it up to 3,800 yards. And I'm seeing his total passing yards over under right now. 3,700 and a half at a flat minus 115 to the over or the under. So it has steamed up, but I also know that training camp preseason reports, not as glowing as people might have hoped for if they got down early on Watson. Initially, you mentioned liking this up to 3,800. Has what you've heard out of Cleveland's camp maybe brought that ceiling down just a little bit for you as far as Watson's concerned? Um, no, I mean, I've there, there's been there's been a lot of talk about maybe Watson struggled a little bit, but I mean, I, I like that they've been running so many much empty formations in the preseason. They've I, obviously Nick Chubb wasn't playing in those games, but it looks like a, a pretty damn good wep weaponry that that they have, and uh, I'm all in on the the Watson overs. 
All right. I, I think I've got more exposure on Watson and the Browns than I really could have anticipated just a couple months ago. So I, I will cross my fingers and, and hope that you're right. And more often than not, you have been. So this is probably a pretty decent spot to be in. I will look forward to seeing how this plays out over the course of the season. And Hitman, in addition to a lot of the picks that we've broken down, of course, on this show, I, I do like to maintain a process-driven mindset to the extent that it can add value to the audience's experience. And part of what I'll look to bring to the show this season, kind of returning to my roots and doubling down on curation as my form of creation, distilling insights that I'm getting from hours of listening to other shows and just really bringing out what I consider the best of the best in this forum. Um, some top takeaways from other betting content that I've consumed recently would start with the aforementioned Joe Burrow and the notion of playing versus performing. I want to give a hat tip to G-Stack George Silfidis, a friend of this show. Uh, you've also done some work with him on Forward Progress. And on that show on August 30th, he noted that being physically 100%, not the same as producing at 100%. It's one thing for a lot of starters across the league not to play in the preseason, but for a guy like Burrow to miss more than a month of practice leading up to the season, that could be something else entirely. In fact, just last year, we saw Burrow struggle in week one, returning from his appendectomy. No injury concerns theoretically come game day, but he threw four interceptions in that season opener against Pittsburgh. Any thoughts? I know you've expressed some optimism on the Browns in week one, as have I so far in this conversation. Just how much of that hinges on Burrow versus other factors between those two rosters? Yeah, re repeat that again, Matt. You were saying so with Joe that... Burrow. Uh, with Joe Burrow, how much are you anticipating him being at 100%, but you still like the Browns anyway? How much of this are you thinking kind of like what G-Stack oh. George mentioned? Okay, he's going to be healthy, but he's missed time. He okay. might not yeah. perform at 100%. Yeah. Um, that's the angle on Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a factor. I think maybe it could be a factor in prop markets, especially that if a Burrow rushing line ever does open up, that maybe look to go under on that but i know and you know there's been a study i forgot who did the study so i can't i can't give credit but there's been a study about um players that did miss the entire preseason quarterbacks about how they have struggled in that first game so it does make sense and joe burrow uh, this is an offense that has struggled in years past to start the year and it was so no well known and talked about that Zach Taylor said before Burrow got hurt that he was going to play guys in the preseason, which he's never done because he's from the McVay school of thought that you never play guys. So this has been a thing for the Bengals. So definitely it's a factor. It's a factor for sure. All right. We'll keep our eyes peeled for a Burrow rushing prop, possibly a good edge to the under on that front. And Hitman saying process based, a more macro level topic. I learned my lesson last year when it came to early season teasers. I think there was some value and maybe I just got some negative variants, but I really got buried early in the season before things really flipped in a positive way down the home stretch. And on that macro level, it kind of makes sense because early in the season, we have much less data to work with. And even a closing line in week one, you could argue is much less efficient than a closing line later on in the season. Do you buy that notion? And if so, does that have any impact on your staking when it comes to getting down on teasers week one versus, say, week 15? Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a more efficient line typically later in the year because a lot more data is out there. And obviously with teasers, you're looking to reduce variance as much as possible. So I do agree with that school of thought. 
that they tend to typically be better later in the year. But with that said, um, I mentioned the four games that I, I would like mm-hmm. earlier. Those just came up as pretty solid edges where I didn't feel like I was just blindly playing it, that they were worth bets. But yes, typically I would look maybe to stay away more on the teasers in week one than it is later in the year. But this this year was a little bit different circumstances for me. And to your point about the teaser options that you like this week, I'd love to hone in just a bit on the math behind those teasers relative to the handicap behind those teasers. And looking at a game like San Francisco-Pittsburgh in particular, from a mathematical standpoint, low total, we touched on that. The Steelers as a home dog, historically, that's been a really strong way to look for teaser legs that could come through at a high clip. From a handicapping standpoint, I had Sharp Clark on the show last week. I really respect his process and the opinions that he gets to. He mentioned that he saw some blowout potential in this one and actually would be looking for San Francisco alt lines, maybe a Niners minus nine and a half for a really big plus money payout. When it comes to teasers, Hitman, how much do you just look at the math crossing key numbers, perhaps some low totals versus also getting subjective and working your handicap into play at the same time? Yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, um, it, it definitely I'm I'm only going to play something where I lean, at least lean towards that team against the spread. Um, if I have no opinion against the spread or I lean the other way, then it's it's going to be a pass for me. So, as we mentioned with with the other ones, like Cleveland game that I bet, game, game, that's where I lean right now. Current market, same with Green Bay. Same with um, Pittsburgh. So, yes, it it plays a factor. And drilling down on that to one more micro-level question to wrap up this early season teaser conversation. At the player level, I feel like there's quite a bit of variance when we're looking at teams quarterbacked by Sam Howell, Jordan Love, a a lot of love for the Atlanta Falcons and Desmond Ritter early on this season. They might be a popular part of some teaser legs in future weeks. What kind of impact does that have on your process when you know that teasers are inherently a bet against variance, but we've got some quarterbacks that could really swing things in a big way for better or worse? Yeah, that's kind of why I mentioned with the Green Bay one earlier that I said I took the money line because there was more variance, the bigger payout. Same thing where, where it comes to teasers is like, Justin Fields could be the MVP that everybody is betting him to be, I think, 18 to 1 right now, which is a joke. But, um, I mean, if he is, then the true line is probably two, two and a half, three points off or something, which obviously isn't going to help your your teaser leg. So it, it's when you're doing something like that, you would, you definitely would tend to. To, to play a game like like Pittsburgh, I'm confident in how they're going to be this year, and I'm confident in how San Francisco is going to be. And something like Green Bay, Chicago, a lot, of, um, a lot of different ways that their seasons could turn out. So it's something to consider for sure. Also, a lot of different ways that the two of us tend to take things as we round the corner here when it comes to the hops. I know that as much as I'm into hot forward beers – You have shared a lot of good stories about more on the mixed cocktail side of things over the years as we've had these conversations. Hitman, on that note, as the season gets underway, I'd love to hear any thoughts you have on perhaps your best drinking experience over the course of this past offseason. I mentioned the one at my wedding, I think, on a previous episode where I was drinking with some uh, players of a Florida 
NFL team, one of them an all pro that that was a good experience. Um, other than that, you know, it, it was nothing that really stands out, but I was on vacation like the whole month of July. So there was a lot of that going on as I was getting ready for to get ready for preseason where I knew I'm not going to be leaving the state for six months. So not one specific one that that jumps out, to be honest with you. I wish I could have done uh, a few at Bet Bash. Um, unfortunately, it was scheduled during week one of preseason, which is a busy week for me. But, yeah, no, nothing in particular uh, really stood out. We'll have to see what we can do about Bet Bash moving forward because I think it is pretty much locked in for the same time frame every year in Vegas. And I know that you're busy in Jersey cleaning up on preseason numbers. So uh, if not future Bet Bashes, maybe some other occasions we can figure out to share a drink or two together. But piggybacking on your point about spending most of July, I think you said, on vacation, I'd like to weave in another pillar of the show to close things out, the Molinsky Minute. And I'll ask you a similar question to what I asked Sharp Clark last week because I think it's a really important one. Now that the season's underway, what's your approach to balancing the grind of betting day-to-day at the level that you do with also trying to maintain at least some sort of baseline level of mental and physical and, and, and just overall wellness? Um, made the commitment to play a little bit more golf during this football season, um, trying to get out at least three times a week to play at least nine holes. I'm very fortunate have a spot by me where I can play nine holes in usually an hour. So doesn't doesn't take up too much of my time and just a little bit of a mental break. So got that going on. Um, obviously, relationships with my wife, with friends that, that try to be present for some of those is another thing. Um, you know, it's just trying to trying to balance everything as much as possible. It's it's hard. It's a grind. But just trying to have some time where, you know what, even if it's costing me some money by not being in front of the screen, um, you know, you can't take it with you. And I'm, I'm making a decent amount anyway, so I can leave some on the table. And to that end, I feel like we can take it to the bank that at least a time or two this season is happy as I am to hear about your commitment to getting out, playing some golf when the opportunity presents itself. You're going to be on the first tee some sort of news is going to break that throws the prop market on its head. And it happens all the time. I can't, I can't tell you how many times that exact scenario has happened. So I'm used to it. (laughs) All right. Well, fingers crossed. You can enjoy uh, some peace and quiet, at least out on the golf course when you're stepping away from the grind over the course of this season, it's been a blast running down the week one card, a, a quick, run through some promotional stuff as we start to wrap things up here. And I'll get to it now because, frankly, if you're still tuned in, then that's a pretty good indication that you like this show. So if you're with us on YouTube, would appreciate it if you could like this video, subscribe to the channel, turn on notifications when we go live over the course of the season. Similar ask for anybody on Twitter with us right now. If you can like this video, repost it, and be sure to follow Hitman at Hitman428, myself at Lay of the Landis, and the show at Props and Hops Pod. Speaking of the pod, for those of you in podcast form, please leave a five-star rating for the show. You can do that in less than five seconds on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And it would be awesome if you would care to subscribe to the show as well. Last but not least, however you're listening to this show, again, I'd really support it. 
I'd really appreciate it if you could support us by supporting Red Angle Sports. Pessim Link, tinyurl.com slash picks, And on YouTube in podcast form, you'll catch that link in the show notes. And on Twitter, a link is in my profile bio. Hitman, as we wrap things up, want to thank you for the time and insight. And to those who want to know more about what you're up to all the time, you can follow him at pregame.com, follow Forward Progress. Again, follow him on Twitter at Hitman428. Always a blast to have you on the show, and it's an honor to have you on to kick off a new NFL season. Appreciate it, Matt. All right, and to those of you watching and listening, thank you for your time. One programming note here, most weeks of the season, as I'd mentioned before, we will be looking to go live Friday, midday Pacific time. I will say I'm trying to balance consistent timing by also getting the best guests we can and making sure that we're mindful of their availability. So I'll go ahead and say I plan to announce the guest and time every Wednesday on Twitter at Props and Hops Pod. And of course, if you ever miss us live, you can always catch the show in podcast form. With that said, everybody, hope you've enjoyed the week one show. Enjoy the rest of the slate this weekend and best of luck with your bets on another NFL season.